Yeah, I'm Johnny Ramsack, if that's the way you want it. If you have a smartphone, which you obviously do, then you can siphon Wi-Fi from almost anywhere on God's green earth these days. From the church picnic down to any fast food chain bathroom stall. Yeah, it gets a little greasy. But in this age of new media, you can't afford the dry rub down. Because on that information highway, it's a high speed speed limit. And never mind the electric car because it's all ass or gas. Everyone's airing their business on the online clothesline. Yeah, it's the modern way. But you can't go complaining when a few panties go missing. Though, if you insist, I'll dry your tears. <laughs> but not for friendship. Cash, credit, or Bitcoin. The info on my website reads Johnny Ramsack on demand, because that's the way you gotta be in this digital age. 24 7. Oh, I do little odds and ends out here in Toronto. Lumping, shellacking, mopping. Things that respectable men refuse so that us meager scum can survive. That's <laughs> ah, an honest enough living. If carpal tunnel syndrome keeps you honest. Then, of course, there's that other side of my business. Private investigations. The side in which respectability and honesty are as stale as yesterday's mop water. I got the email at the end of another lousy week. Kind of week where my stomach was about ready to give up on me. Like all the disgruntled ex-girlfriends that haunt my lonely hours. Horace J. Stumpton a prominent local businessman requested conference with me. It was a hot and sticky Monday morning, kind of morning that just made you feel like you woke up at hell's summer camp. I reported to his office, 8 a.m. sharp. Good morning, miss. I'm here for an 8 a.m. with Mr. Stumpton. Your name, please? R-A-M as in Mary, S-A-C, Ramsack. May I ask what this is concerning? Oh, nothing in particular. I always wander around, first thing on a Monday morning, looking for strangers to chat with. I'm only doing what I've been told. You needn't get sore at me. Mr. Stumpton always asks that I vet his callers. Look, Muffin, I don't need a vet. I've already had all my shots. Now let him know I'm here, will you? I'm expected. Yes, well, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ramsack. <laughs> Yes, well, um... Mr. Stumpton, there's a Mr. Ramsack here to see you. Well, now, don't just keep him waiting there, Peggy, you ignoramus. Send him in, send him in. Oh, uh, uh, Mr. Stumpton will see you now, Mr. Ramsack. Is he always this cute? He's actually in one of his good moods. Today. Sure. Uh, thanks, Peggy. That's your name, isn't it? Oh, uh, uh, yes. Sure is hot out. Thanks again. Stumpton's six-foot bloated frame was slumped amid a motley of fast food wrappers and undersized office furniture. He emitted a boneheaded neurotic aura for common sense would have produced a man inclined to sit at a big boy table. His beady narrow eyes sat squished 
beneath horn-rimmed spectacles. His graying scrub brush of a mustache drew the heat away from his sagging jowls and meaty man-gut. Sixty-plus years of single-mindedness came thundering out as he opened his hole and barked. Well, don't just stand there. Come in and shut the door. It's now precisely 8.03 in the a.m. You're three minutes late. You may as well know right now, Ramsack. When I hire a man, he's my man. He reports well-buttoned, on the button. Trousers cinched and ready to work. H.J. Stumpton will not stand for any of this sleepy-headed millennial jazz. Whatever, you fucking retard. What was that? I said you were absolutely right, sir. Yes, well, uh... <clears throat> so, uh, you're a black man. I didn't gather that from your dossier. You didn't seem so, judging from your website. I'm late, aren't I? Don't you get flip with me, Ramsack. If it's white guilt that you're peddling, then you've come to the wrong gringo. I'd eat a vanilla sundae in front of you. Two times. And think nothing of it! It just so happens that I, uh, I'm rather ensconced in the Negro community. Maybe a little too ensconced. So, uh, if you want to play who's the real G, then I'll take that action. Any old day of the week! Do you feel me, Ramsack? Comprende? You're guiltless. You're dangerous. Yes, and uh, it would serve you well to remember. I'm hard on my men, Mr. Ramsack. Hard. To bang with me, you can't just be any geek off the street. You gotta be able to handle yourself. Earn your keep. But Peggy said you were in a good mood today. Why, you impertinent, dunderheaded little... Get out of my office! Get out of my office right now, Ramsack! <laughs> now wait! Wait, 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 wait! Wait, Ramsack! Come back here! I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> you worked me. You worked me, Ramsack, and uh, <laughs> that's this blasted heat. <sighs> you got a spine on your son. I can see that. Sit down, Ramsack, sit down. Now, to the matter at hand. My fee is $200 a day. No, make that $300 a day. 300 Plus expenses, Stumpton, and skip the church mouse routine. Though I bet you just love your altar boys, smothered in cheese. Have it your way, Ramsack. Three hundred a day plus expenses, it is. Now, as to why you're here, I, uh, well, my life is in danger. As you well know, uh, my grandfather, the late Jacoby Stumpton, was a luminary in the stump removal trade here in Canada, when our European forefathers came over and uh, wet their beaks, it was a little inconvenient on the aborigine forebearers. Uh, teepees, lean-tos, wigwams were set ablaze in a flurry of bloodshed and uh, pioneering. After the dust had settled and the arrows been holstered, a new frontier had arisen, parched in a sea of bloody and burnt-out Tree stumps. The stumps needed hasty removal to gang way for the skyscrapers of pale-faced progress. On that frozen tundra, 
is where my grandpappy carved his fortune, swashbuckling disgruntled engines while plucking out battered tree stumps, single-handed, as legend has it. Stubborn to the stump, that's the Stumpton motto. I'm not saying it was right, Mr. Ramsack. I just thank God daily that I'm a white man on the winning side of history. Providence had been kind to the Stumptons, and in due course I took up the company mantle as CEO, like my father before me. I was blessed with a beautiful wife, Tabitha, and three hardy children, two girls and a boy. The stump trade had expanded with a stranglehold grip in South America, Europe, Asia, Australia, Africa, and Antarctica. Whole ecosystems were disappearing. It was truly the happiest time of our lives. We even had our eyes set on intergalactic stump remuneration. Well, you know how it is with a marriage. After the kids had grown and left the nest, a heavy staleness fell upon our household. We were like strangers, Tabitha and I, drifting past one another in our haunted corridors. I was unfaithful, I'm not proud to admit. Beginning with my trips to the Orient on stump estimation expeditions, she in turn was driven into the arms of another man, Leroy, a Black Lives Matter activist we met while de-stumping a reappropriated cotton plantation in rural Louisiana. Though it was just a fling, she still moans uncontrollably at the touch of 100% cotton. God damn him. We were all washed up, and a trial separation seemed in order. It was during this time that I met Squanto, a beefy young whistle punk I'd hired for some deep stumptation detail. I never met such a lumberjack ramsack. A red-blooded Mohawk tribesman, his copper-tanned rippled back would glisten in a hot day's sun, as his sure and steady pickaxe did the work of three lumbermen. Well, at the onset of all whirlwind romance is a little game of cat and mouse, Though he was thirty years my junior, an affection soon blossomed between us. And, to this day, I hold no reservations about it. I love the boy. That's very touching, sir. Yes, well, uh, yeah, thank you. He's the love of my life. The best thing that ever happened to me. I, uh, I still get choked up talking about it. Not soon after we moved in together, we became engaged. It was like something out of a fairy tale, Ramsack. He was on his hands and knees, fussing over a rotted stumpling near the juniper berry bush in our home garden. It was a holiday weekend, but the boy wouldn't rest. He was born to be a de-stumper. I sidled up next to him, got down on one knee, wiped the caked dirt off of his square jaw-dropping features, and uh, popped the question. His beautiful chestnut eyes danced with boyish excitement as he flung his steely arms around me, showering me with kisses and tears of joy. But there was one snag, of course. Tabitha, my wife, 
Financially, she would be taken care of, of course. But her insatiable lust for money and the power that my de-stumping empire had afforded her has undoubtedly proven too strong. An amicable divorce wouldn't suit her. She wants it all! Not soon after the engagement, strange things started happening. We started receiving phone calls. When we'd answer, a heavy breathing would permeate the line, then hang up abruptly. There was this mysterious fire that was set in our garage, which thankfully got extinguished before any real damage was done. Squanto's beloved pet wolf, Herbert, was found dead in our driveway. He was inconsolable, weeping around the clock and howling at the full moon, the poor boy. And now this. It's a typed letter I received in the mail two days ago. Quit playing cowboys and Indians and go back to your wife and kitties, Stumpton, while you still have your scalp. Our home surveillance caught images of a dark-haired woman in a trench coat placing the letter in the mailbox. It's Tabitha, all right. She's plotting to have us killed, Ramsack. Why didn't you go to the police? Those officious, ego-seeking knuckleheads? As a black man, you should know better than to ask that. When I went down to see them, if they weren't stuffing themselves silly with honey crullers or slurping back coffee like a pack of dehydrated camels, they were motorboating over every damn word I said. It was just blah, blah, blah this and yada, yoda that, and we can't prove that your wife had anything to do with this. And the ornery, hate-filled prejudice that spilt from their eyes as they looked upon my squanto, cradling his dead wolfie in his arms. Why, I'd have given my whole stumping empire in that moment to have had them horsewhipped. The whole blue lot of them! My heart cries out for you, Mr. Stumpton. I'm not paying to pluck at your heartstrings, Ramsack. That bitch wants me dead. Suss it out, man. Suss it out. Prove that my wife Tabitha is scheming to do away with me, and I'll pay you an additional $5,000 on top of your salary. Please, Mr. Ramsack. I'm frightened. I'm so frightened. I'm just... (laughs) I shut the door behind me, leaving Stumpton sobbing alone in his office. Uh, He was an okay old bird, as far as buzzards go. He had given me a snapshot of his wife, Tabitha. She was of the regal breed, of hen, late forties, and well-kept. Her jet-black hair was shoulder-length, dyed, permed, and pressed. It hung down in a stiff manner, like a tube sock a teenage boy has had his way with. Her makeup was in technicolor, though her side whiskers were in black and white. Her rubbery facade peered out at you in a ghoulish-type way, though you couldn't deny the sun had once shone on it. Botox and cosmetic butchery now earmarked her once striking beauty. Her teeth were ridiculously perfect, like those wind-up toy dentures that chatter. They gave off an eerie, incandescent type of sheen, kind of like those glow-in-the-dark constellations children stick on their bedroom ceiling. Yep, you would have no trouble spotting her in a power outage. But for a sexually ambiguous man, Stumpton sure picked a honey of a baby maker. Her taut, B-cupped chest defied the test of time, standing at the ready like a school-crossing guard out on bail bond. Her swirly hips 
and round bottom end gave you that warm, tingly feeling, like undies straight out of the dryer. And her firm, silk-finished legs kicked at you playfully, representing 132 pounds of all woman, crammed into a tight black cocktail dress. She was a deadly little cougar, 49 years young with plenty of scratch left in her. I found out that evening when I called on her at Stumpton Manor, hers since the separation. Outside the palace was an intercom. I pressed down on the buzzer, and something resembling the pearly gates swung open, granting my admission to the golden beyond. I plodded up the driveway, passing elaborate flower beds, jet water fountains, and a gaggle of sports cars. Just a used-up, mopping bucket man, resigned to turning tricks as a down-at-heel private eye for rent. Another ornament on the front lawn of the wealthy. I scaled the front marble staircase and reefed on the big bronze door knocker. The door swung open autonomously and a voice like a hot creamy bowl of mushroom soup beckoned from within. Enter, Mr. Ramsack, and don't mind the front door. It shuts automatically. I'm in the jacuzzi. Shall I come out or will you come in? <clears throat> uh, better come out, Mrs. Stumpton. Thank you. Oh, if you insist. But you'll have to give me a moment. Now, where did I put that silly towel? She took her sweet time in her womanly way, giving me a chance to catch my breath. Not that it helped any. When she emerged... She had squeezed into a pair of black spandex booty shorts and was sporting a multi-patterned gray crop top. She smelled like a freshly juiced cantaloupe, dabbing at her damp, slick back hair with a towel as she spoke. Come out from the doorway so I can get a good look at you. Hmm. So you're a detective. You must be hard to go in for that line of work, I imagine, Mr. Ramsack. Or do I call you Johnny? Either will do, Mrs. Stumpton. Okay, Johnny Ramsack. You drink wine, don't you, Johnny Ramsack? Or would you prefer something harder? Thank you, but I don't drink. So you love Jesus. Is that it, Johnny Ramsack? Yes, ma'am, as well as my friend, Bill W. That's rather fetching. In a man, though you'll have to excuse me, this suffering heat brings out the naughty in me. <laughs> and what's with this janitorial side hustle you have listed on your website? You're quite the handyman, aren't you? Johnny Ramsack. Yes, a serviceman. I provide those services. A peeper sweeper, hmm? Suppose you and I make a big mess this evening. I could hire you to mop it up in the morning, couldn't I, Johnny Ramsack? You are confused, Mrs. Stumpton. I am a peeper sweeper, not a dumpster Diver. You cheap grifter. 
You couldn't sweep your way out of an unlocked broom closet. To hell with who you are or what you are. Get out. Wait. Now get out. You rotten gumshoe. I'm paid to stay, lady. Now give me the straight goods. What you sucking around old man Stumpton for? Scaring him and his boyfriend half to death. I've told the police like I told you when you called. I have absolutely nothing to do with Horace and that Pocahontas of his. That's not the way he paints it, gummy bear. What about the garage fire? The knife job done on poor Herbert the house wolf? And that typed letter in the mailbox? Wasn't that your handiwork? Or were you too busy getting soused in the jacuzzi? Tragedies, all of them. Guiltless, however, I still remain. Stumpton says he has you on camera the morning he received the letter, dumping it into the mailbox. Is everything okay, Mrs. Stumpton? Yes. Is everything okay, Mrs. Stumpton? Yes, Simon. Yes, Clarissa. Everything is okay. Get back to your chores or whatever it is you do. Yes, Mrs. Stumpton. We're cleaning the toilets. We're scraping and scrubbing the toilets, Mrs. Stumpton. Simon and Clarissa, two of the most wretched invalids you've ever laid your eyes upon. They could fuck up a cup of coffee, which they have, let alone clean a toilet. They're all I have left after twenty-two stinking years of marriage. Two harebrained servants, three gluttonous snipes for children, one demented swish of an ex-husband, and an empty Jacuzzi. He's insane, you know, Horace. I mean, he was normal enough when I first met him. A driven older man with a vast, de-stumping empire. The sex was pedestrian, of course, but that didn't matter then. I was young with a rich and prosperous, stumping future ahead of me. Shortly after we were married, Horace began to change. He became increasingly short-tempered, hotting up over the most minor of infraction. If I left a light on in the hallway, if I forgot an item on the grocer's list, things didn't get any better after the children were born. The sex became sadistic. He'd force me to dress up like a lumberjack, fake glue-on beard, plaid tunic and steel toes. He'd cuff himself to the bed, shrieking at me to peg him in the asshole with the butt end of a destumption hole. My bra and panties began to go missing. I'd chalked it up as due to Simon and Clarissa's bumble-headed attempts at doing laundry until I saw Horace one night. He was lipsticked, soused, wearing a wig, and had stuffed himself into a pair of my best skimpies, pleasuring himself atop a stumpling by the veranda. I endured this year upon year. The children had grown and left for university. Though you're never really rid of a privileged child, if I'm not changing their diapers, then I'm changing their credit cards, it seems. The whole lousy lot of them. I was driven into the arms of a militant black man, as I'm sure Horace has told you, though somehow his running around with that sweet Indian boy of his somehow is dignified. But I shan't repent 
for those three ground-shaking nights on the plantation with Leroy. They were the happiest I've ever known. His uppity Negro passion for the Black Lives Matter movement awakened something within me. Leroy would probably skin me alive for saying this, but for the first time, I truly felt that all lives mattered. My life mattered. I wanted a divorce. The money, the houses, the cars, the children, to blazes with all of it. If Horace wanted them, he could have them. But instead, he keeps me trapped here, waiting for the death blow in this barbarous play he's been directing for 22 horror-soaked years. I've been trying for a divorce, but he sends his litigious mouthpieced hoodlums over to threaten and intimidate me. That wasn't me on the home security camera. I haven't left the house in weeks. His greed and paranoia over his precious stumps has got me caught in a legal hell I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, which just so happens to be him. You got to believe me. Surely you could spare me some of that strength and courage. I need help so bad. I have no right to ask you, but I do ask you. Help me, Johnny Ramsack. She fainted, collapsing into my arms like a discount sack of kitty litter. All of the excitement and commotion was enough to bring Simon and Clarissa scuttering out from whatever hole they had slid down. Is everything okay, Mrs. Tumpton? The toilet bowls are shining and shimmering, Mrs. Tumpton. I shooed them off with an indifferent wave of my hand and dragged Tabitha Stumpton over to an adjacent love seat. I plopped her down, miscalculating the velocity, for when them boobies hit that stained seat cushion, she sprang backwards, propelling her unconscious body halfway across the room in a cartoonish slapstick manner. She landed with a dense thud in a half-downward dog position, as my yoga teacher would have instructed. Face down, ass up, but breathing. Though a tempting vignette for a man of the strongest will and character, I yanked her knees out from beneath her, letting a good belly flop ripple out from under her. I left her on her stomach, as not to obstruct her breathing, called the family doctor, and got the hell out of there. Spilling out of a TTC subway station at Young and Dundas Square, I hadn't felt such a frightened sense of penetrating arousal since my carefree days of drunken escort courting on a day laborer's salary. Tabitha Stumpton was all kinds of fucked, and my mind needed a moment to decompress. (laughs) I popped an aspirin to soothe the headache and still the erection that was beginning to well up upon me. Slumped against a parking meter, the echoes of her pregnant cries seemed to dance before me. Help me, Johnny. Pocahontas of his. That wasn't me on the home security camera. I've been trying for a divorce. Those three ground-shaking nights on the plantation with Leroy. I had just blown my nose and was about to check Facebook on my smartphone when it began to ring with the fervency of the caller on the other end. Red man crazy! 
It was Stumpton, hollering like the Dickens. I grabbed a quick falafel, dived into an Uber cab, and sped toward my ailing client. When I got to Squanto and Stumpton's charming church in Wellesley Street townhome, it was one of the most grisly scenes I had ever lived to bear witness. A statue of Michelangelo's David, naked as the day is long, stood ominously on the front lawn, sending goose pimples bubbling up my neck as I bounded up the front steps. Sailing through the front door, the full horror was then upon me. Gardenia fragrance and classical music filled the air as the prissy hum of homemaking leapt out from every corner. Candle holders, picture frames, tote bags, throw pillows, wall decor, and cats. Juxtaposed to this display was Squanto, beaten and bloodied, wearing a traditional headdress and loincloth. I tossed him a few napkins to wipe up, straining to hear his tired pleas. Black face man, please, must listen to Squanto. Easy does it, chief. I've called the police, an ambulance is coming. Mr. Stumpton play dirty white man trick on Squanto. Mr. Stumpton say him love Squanto. Squanto find out it all was bunch of hooey. Love's a bitch with feathers. Now come on, save your energy. Mr. Stumpton not care eight red cents for Squanto. Mr. Stumpton make em dirty love on Squanto. Him have feckle fancy and peeing pleasures. Him poo and pee on Squanto. Squanto love Mr. Stumpton, so Squanto take it. But him really like all the other white man in Squanto life. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mr. Stumpton pretend to want marry Squanto only for Squanto family land. Him get Squanto drunk on fire water and force Squanto sign white man treaty. Him beat Squanto with candlestick when Squanto back turned. Now Mr. Stumpton try kill Squanto. Look out, chocolate man! Here come Mr. Stumpton! The pungent stench of stool and urine hit the air as I whirled around to face H.J. Stumpton, naked under an open trench coat, wearing a long black wig with lipstick, drenched in piss, and wielding a chainsaw in a shit-caked graze. So now you know, Bramsack. Young Squanto here is heir to the Micmac Paddywhack Reservation. Well, was heir to the reservation. <laughs> he signed the deed over to me. <laughs> Sorry, Squanto baby, but times are tough in stumping, and my company has gone belly up. That's some prime de-stumping real estate, Ramsack. Enough profit to put Stumpton Limited back on the map. Not Squanto, not Tabitha, not even you are going to stop me from ensuring that the Stumpton legacy lives on. Drop that chainsaw, Stumpton. The police are on their way. Did they think that I just let the business fold? Did that bitch think that I just let her bleed me dry in divorce court? Did you all think that I just let you destroy what my grandfather, the honorable Jacoby Stumpton, spent his lifetime in creating? <laughs> Watch out for that dildo, Stumpton! <laughs>
slipping on the loose sex toy sent Stumpton flying ass over tea kettle and the chainsaw after him. When he landed, the sickening sound of carved flesh and bone rang out, blood splattering the walls in red. When the cops arrived, I saw a rookie puke into his policeman's hat upon seeing the bloody hacked up stump that had been Horace J. Stumpton. I guess everything turned out okay. Stumpton had coerced Squanto into signing the Micmac Paddywhack Reservation over to him, then planned to murder Squanto, framing his estranged wife Tabitha for the crime. Stumpton Limited had gone bust, and like most rich people, he just couldn't cope with the pressures of doing without. Squanto was hospitalized but made a full recovery and regained his land though he had a hard time trusting white people again. Tabitha Stumpton was cleared of the frame-up job her husband had tried to pin on her. We had sex a few times, but the last I heard, she had relocated to Louisiana to join Leroy on the plantation. She self-identifies as a black woman and is now a full member of the Black Lives Matter movement. As for me, well, I'm doing all right. Stumpton got sawed in half before I could collect my payment from him, but I don't gripe about it. I've been earning a few bucks here and there, washing dishes, moving furniture, buffing hallways. They say in life, it's not the destination, but the journey that counts, which is good, because I still take the bus and my apartment's about the size of a box. Yep, I just humbly await my next customer while transcending this bitch one day at a time. Jonathan James Ramtram, reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 5th in the year of our Lord, 2018. Welcome to Jonathan Ramtram, the podcast. Thank you, Lord. One year anniversary, JR, the podcast. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. 
I'm just a loyal servant of the internet. First and foremost, I'd like to thank uh, Wi-Fi. You know, I don't have a wife, but I do have Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. Thank you, Wi-Fi. Thank you, internet, for allowing me to stream the cosmos and put my fucking bullshit out there. Thank you to all who listen. Uh, thank you. Uh, fuck. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today I want to count my blessings, you know, one year of podcasting, feeling great. I remember when I was just a blackout drunk, having hopes and dreams of turning my career around as a comic, as an actor, as a performer, wanting a podcast, you know, but just drowned in my own misery. And here I am, one year in podcasting, two years of sobriety, hallelujah. I could gripe and grumble, get cynical. I mean, um, I was talking with a good friend yesterday, and, um, you know, part of being a comic is being cynical. <laughs> you have to have an ear for um, irony, sarcasm. Uh, you have to be able to cut through and, like, you know, really tear apart verbally hypocrisy, bureaucracy, uh, stupidity, pettiness, cowardice. Gluttony. You got to be able to cut through with your sword of virtue, your sword of virtue, and just, you know, really spit the truth. And sometimes being cynical is the truth. And it's funny, you know, when you're cutting up some kind of stupid, harebrained hypocrisy and you slice it down with your biting edge of words and wisdom and fucking um, whimsical fancy. When you could do that as a comic, it's hilarious. But sometimes you can't stomach it as a pedestrian. Sometimes it's not very um, appetizing to, um, you know, your friends, your family, society. Sometimes you got to really lay back and, uh, you know, have an open heart. So as I was talking with a friend yesterday, I was getting a little bit cynical. You know, I was up all day, all night working on Jonathan Ramsey on the podcast, episode 52, one year anniversary. Johnny Ramsack, if that's the way you want it. I was busting my hump, uh, Recording, editing, re-listening, replaying, re-editing, rewriting uh, this blessed episode. If you enjoyed the beginning of this episode, this audio play, Johnny Ramsack, if that's the way you want it. I was busting my hump on it the last couple days, right? So as I was talking with a friend on the phone, um, sorry, rather uh, Facebook uh, chat time. Wow, we live in a modern time, right? George Jetson. His son, Elroy. <laughs> Daughter, Judy. <laughs> Jane, his wife. <laughs> In my office, Jetson. Yes, Mr. Spacely Sprocket. <sighs> Rosie, that fucking refrigerator-looking fucking sex bot. Anyways, like... You can go down a dark path of a dark path of cynicism. And as I was talking to my friend on the phone on Facebook uh, chat time or whatever the fuck you call it, uh, you know, I was kind of babbling on and going on a rant. And uh, he goes, uh, oh, well, I just hope you're doing okay or whatever. You know, I don't usually hear you talk like this, right? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, spit a couple fucking things here and there in this goddamn bitter world we live in. You got to say a couple things, right? 
And then he goes, uh, well, you know, just as long as you're cool, because like, you know, I know you sound like you might be a little cynical. And sometimes that can come from when when you're on the outside looking in, you see all the bad around you. But but interaction is where the goodness is, where the goodness lies. Interaction, right? So it's easy to be cynical and look look out look in from the outside and be cynical and judge things. And, you know, we all do it. I mean, I don't know, whatever, speak for yourself. At least I do it. But today I just want to count my blessings. One year of sobriety, sorry, rather, two years of sobriety. Ooh, even better. Two years of sobriety, one year of podcasting. Fun, engaging, alive, heartfelt podcasting. I really enjoyed this year. And, um... As I was crooning the Rolling Stones there, time is on my side. I've been looking over um, this one year of podcasting. And, um, you know, I've been going out there and really fucking standing my ground as an artist. You know, uh, I use the word artist because um, that, that really kind of captures what I do. It's like I create things regardless of the outcome. The quality is there. I, re- I really fucking dig what I do. And, you know, I could tell from the audience reaction when I do stand-up comedy, it's usually pretty charmed. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck, man? I, you know, I'm, I'm good at what I do. I'm always learning. I'm growing. I'm, I'm going to get even better. I don't know, I don't know everything I'm going to know. But I'm very happy that I'm, I'm, I like what I do. I feel charmed and engaged with what I do. I had a fun year of doing stand-up comedy in Toronto, Canada, getting back up on my feet, trying to get myself out there. As I mentioned, I'm a recovering alcoholic, two years sober. So a part of my story, if you listen to the podcast, is um, my journey into sobriety and getting back up there as a comic. And it's been a blessed year. It was fun getting out there, shaking a tail feather. Um, ups and downs, smiles and frowns, a lot of great things around the corner though, got a lot to be blessed for. Take a look at this. Um, well, not a look, <laughs> it's a podcast. I'm so stupid, I'm so stupid. Uh, I'm not an animal, I'm not an animal, you treat me like this, so I'm so stupid. Fuck you! Fuck your mother! Your mother's cunt, your mother's cunt! I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. I'm the boss, I'm the boss, I'm the boss. You ever watch Raging Bull? Great film. It'll inspire you, baby. Just like this podcast. Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. JR, the podcast. Building dreams here. Anyways, listen to this here. uh, In terms of my stand-up comedy career in Toronto, Canada. Ups and downs, smiles and frowns. Like I said, shaking a tail feather, getting out there, busting my hump, trying to get it going again. And, uh... As I'm counting my blessings and being grateful on my one-year anniversary of uh, podcasting, check this little email out. I've been um, alluding to my uh, goal of getting out there and producing some shows, right? Because that's the way you got to do it in this fucking comedy game. You got to get out there and swing for yourself, right? The next man or woman, you know, they got their own hands full telling their jokes, right? So you got to go out there and do it for yourself. So um, check this out. I'm pretty proud of this. This is a testament of two years of sobriety, one year of podcasting, relentless grinding, ball busting, hump busting, uh, 
100% man. <laughs> and you can be a 100% woman if you're a woman out there. Love you, babies. Check this. Hi, so-and-so. This is, this is an email I sent. Hi, so-and-so. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm a local stand-up comic. Interested in producing a bi-weekly stand-up show in your uh, cabaret space. I have a few questions. Thank you. I'm looking forward to booking four dates at the end of January with the hope of having it continue to run bi-weekly. I've performed around the city and... Basically, this is um, real. Real. This is an email I sent, which is a testament of my hard work, which is a testament of where I am, that I could produce a show, that I have the money, the talent. Well, fuck the money. I got the talent to produce a show. Then I got the money to produce the show. Then I got the balls to produce... Well, I'm stupid, but aside from all that, I got the talent, the money, the balls to produce my own stand-up comedy show. Very grateful. Job bless. My good friend Nathan, Nathan, as he is uh, Nathan, N-A-T-E-N, Nathan as I know him, uh, my good friend, uh, he has just recently done a beautiful piece of artwork for me. It's a fucking amazing, kick-ass fucking uh, drawing. He's a, uh, you know, he's an, he's an artist. He draws by hand with, <laughs> draws by, well, some people, some people draw on like, you know, Microsoft Paint, but he draws by hand with like um, graphite pencils. He's got all these little interesting Japanese graphite pencils, this, that, and the other. Um, you know, HB2 pencils, you know, if you're writing a test. But like, he's got all these interesting little collections of, um, you know, uh, penmanship and uh he, he fucking concocted this wicked uh drawing that i'm going to use for my poster when i am producing these comedy shows gratitude testament of hard work time is on our side time is on your side that's the positive message i want to put out there you know i remember one time sitting there in english class which i loved i loved english class i'm very good with uh, words and reading anyways i was in i was in english class and my English teacher, she, uh, this was in high school, grade 11 or 12, she says, here's a question I'd like to pose to the class. Do you think that time speeds up as you get older? I put my hand up. I was like, well, no, time's on a continuum. Time remains time. Time is what it is. She goes, well, you know, I got a different perspective. I have a different perspective. You know, as I'm older, I have more responsibilities, X, Y, and Z, so time sometimes feels like it speeds up. As you get busy with your work, your career, your life, your family, your loved ones, your hobbies, your this, your that, that's all, folks. As you get caught up in the bureaucracy and, uh, you know, minutia of a daily life, time can be fleeting. I don't know. That's one idea, that's one outlook, that's one perspective. There's multiple perspectives. You have your own perspective, I have my own. But time is on my side because I said no, time is a continuum and the time is now and the time is in the present and the time is exactly where it needs to be. I'm in time, right on time, in time. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. And um, yeah, you know, just feeling grateful that um, 
I got that beautiful piece of artwork done. It's in the right time. It's in the right place. It's in the right moment. Going to get those shows produced. Acting-wise, I've been busting my chops. If you saw me doing a little bit of vocal uh, acting and characterizing, characterizations uh, on Johnny Ramsack, if that's the way you'll, you want it, <laughs> Johnny Ramsack, if that's the way you want it, at the beginning of this episode, um, you see that um, you know I'm doing some writing, doing some vocal uh, you know, characterizations. I would like to get a little bit more into the, inter- into the industry, maybe book some acting gigs as a, because I am a trained actor. I got a diploma in theater arts. Obviously, I do it. So I'd like to get some professional work, something, something to keep me, um, you know, something for me to be alive and happy with, right? Something to reach for, right? A little, um, you know, goal. Get out there and book some acting work or just create it for myself. Mainly, that's what I'm doing at the moment. I got my sights set on um, writing some stuff, producing some stuff in the acting world as well. We'll see where that lays. I got nothing but time. Uh, I also read an interesting quote again. I'll give it to you again. Why not? I got, I'm, all, I'm all about, I'm all full of quotes today. Um, here's a funny thing. Um, Bootsy Collins, um, the bass player from uh, James Brown, Parliament Funkadelic. Bootsy, baby. Uh, Bootsy Collins, one of my favorite bass players, as I'm a bass player as well. A lot of gratitude, working hard at my, uh, well, it's been on a little bit of the back burner, my bass playing, because like, you know, my comedy and my podcasting and my acting kind of takes precedence. Plus, I have to work and live a life. So while playing bass is very important to me, it's not really on the forefront of my, of my you know, agenda at the moment. Going to get there. But anyways, um, as I said, I'm all full of jokes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's evident. But I'm, I'm, I'm all full of quotes. Quotes today, right? And I was watching um, a, video of, a video of Bootsy Collins on YouTube from the 70s. And he's all gacked up and fucked. He's high as a kite and he's doing this performance, right? He's playing bass and, you know, awesome, amazing, talented artist, right? I love him to death. Bootsy, baby. But then he goes, um, oh, yeah, you know, he's wearing a fur coat. It's like the middle of fucking summer. He's wearing a fur coat. He's sweating profusely, right? And he's like, oh, oh, and he's like rubbing his eyes and shit, right? And he's like, oh, I'm Bootsy, baby. And it's going to funk you up. Oh, I'm all full of jokes. <laughs> no, 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 no. I fucked that up. See, I'm not full of jokes. I fucked that up. He goes, um. I'm not saying I'm high, but I'm full of jokes. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm high, but I'm full of jokes. So that's Bootsy Collins for you. So um, I don't know why I mentioned that. Something about me being full of quotes and then him being full of jokes. Anyway, I'm full of quotes and um, I'm blathering on here too because I think I'm cute. I got a haircut today. I think that's why I feel extra cute. Sometimes when you get a haircut, you feel extra cute. You think everybody's hanging on your every word. Oh, look at his haircut. You know, and, uh, you know, so you got to bear with me. I'm just a little extra cute today. Plus, it's my one-year anniversary. So, um, you know, I'm very cute. I'm very uh, driven and uh, got a lot of gratitude. And I'm all full of quotes. I'm not saying I'm high, but I'm full of quotes. Actually, I'm sober as a motherfucker. Two years and, like, fucking one month. Anyway, give me a fucking second, will you? And let me find this goddamn quote. I told you I'm full of them. Where is this fucking thing? Um, give me one moment. You got a minute to spare, right? Time's on your side, too. Um, take the time you need to be who you are. You know, take the time. 
Know, you got to be like Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. You can count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be plenty of time for counting. When the dealing's done. On a dark, dusty cobweb. On a train. Oh, yeah. On a dark, busty streetcar cart or whatever. On a tra- on a boxcar. On a train bound for nowhere. I met up with the gambler. A little boob do. No when to hold up, no when to fold up. And I'm going to fold up on that song here. I'm going to fold up on that song. But, like I said, where is this blasted quote? I'm checking my... I'm on, I'm on my cell phone at the moment here. You got to bear with me here. You gotta, you got to love this quote. It's going to change your life. But more importantly, um, also, like like I said, take the time. I'm, I'm fucking living in the time. I'm living in the time of now, baby. I'm babbling on because I'm cute as a button. Got this fresh haircut. Feeling great, grateful. Just fucking amped up. I, I'm, I got so much energy, too. I just... Um, I, I ate a late meal. I just fried up an egg, put it on some uh, bread. I fried up two eggs with some white rice and uh, avocado. And uh, oh, what a beautiful kind of open kind of like a fucking sushi salad without the fish. Anyways, check this. Um. <clears throat> If our grasping of objects is what distorts them, then we are most likely to see things as they are when we are not grasping, but relaxing, celebrating in a receptive attitude. Hallelujah. That's me all day long, baby. I am relaxing, celebrating in a receptive attitude. Time is on my side. I'm not fucking grasping at straws. Scared half to death whether or not I'm going to make it or this, that, and the other. I'm keeping focused, keeping on the point, keeping with the agenda, being open and respect, receptive, and just enjoying my time. Grateful. You know? And I'm not going to be shy. Sometimes I talk fast like a sputtering fucking toddler. You know? I'm not going to be bashful. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking motor mouth bonehead. I got shushed today at fucking Starbucks. I got shushed. Well, that's not too surprising, as I'm a black man. You ever been to Starbucks lately? But anyways, like, uh, I got shushed. I, I, I bumped into an old friend. Well, not even an old friend, just a, well, a friend, whatever, you know? A colleague in comedy, right? A stand-up comic. I bumped into a fellow comic at uh, Starbucks. And, uh, you know, he comes up to me and, oh, hey, John, what's up? Kind of sidled up next to me. I didn't see him, right? So I turned. I was like, oh, hey, so-and-so. And then the comic, the guy I was talking to, my friend, he goes, Shh. This fucking guy shushed me at Starbucks. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm not excited to see you. You're right. I'm sorry. Oh, it's just you. You're right. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's just you. What am I getting all worked up about? This fucking idiot shushed me because I was all like, oh, hey, what's up? And I was all excited to see him and shit, you know? Like I said, loving life, living my best life. People trying to shush me for being excited, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, it's... It's just no apologies today on Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, man. If I'm a fucking stuttering, blathering, cute motherfucker with a haircut, grateful for his fucking life, then that's, going to, then that's what it's going to be. Thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to my higher power. 
I really do believe in that. I have got a higher power. I believe he or she or whatever watches out over us all. Um, and, uh, you know, I fed the squirrels today. You ever see a squirrel? They sound like this. They'll like perch themselves up in a tree. They know me in my neighborhood, right? They see me coming. Like, hey, that's right, baby. I got fucking peanuts. I pull out a bag of peanuts. I just start tossing out peanuts left, right, and center. Fed the birds. Had a bag full of bird seed. Went and had a coffee. <laughs> got shushed by my comic buddy. Now I'm here recording this on a full stomach. I am very happy and grateful. I'm going to go forward. Stay tuned for more of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. And also, please take the time to have it on your side. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ram... Who am I? Jonathan James Ramtran, reporting live for duty on this magnificent... December 5th, 2018. Time is on our side. God bless. Stay grateful. Talk to you next time. <laughs>